0: Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening in my Wellington um, Farrah Palmer Cup. Sorry, not not Farrah Palmer Cup. um, NPC uh, jersey because Paul Tito is heading over to the Western Force. We covered that in the 5pm lockdown beers and rugby chat earlier. So uh, if you want to know about his move to Western Force, uh, then uh, do uh, go back and listen to that that chat that I had with um, Stephen Harris. Uh, uh, it's available on as video, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and also as a podcast on our pod. On it, all good good pod catches. Wow, well, I'll get my tongue around it eventually. Um, but uh, so yeah, so we're we'll talking about this evening. What we'll talk about this evening? Well, we'll talk about the rugby championship, backwards and forwards, we'll also talk about some rugby, about about the laws. Um, look forward to the Farrah Palmer Cup and the NPC getting back into action this weekend. Uh, we might even talk about something. That world rugby looking at which is having the very world cup every two years an um, interesting idea there and uh, joining me to talk about all that kind of stuff it's Boa, how are you doing sir
2: very well this is bow too, in his monica Roas black after function shirt my beloved monaco rowers uh, nestled in south auckland the most visible uh rugby playing club in auckland it's just on the right hand side of the motorway if you're driving past. and during the season if you're around yeah come visit Crack a beer. Lovely atmosphere up there. Uh, doing well, Paul. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe, particularly uh, all of us here in Auckland doing it for the team of uh, 5 million. Um, yeah, looking forward to the show as always. So, yes, uh, thank you to the team of the, the, those, those people in the
0: 9 who are doing it tough. Uh, do please keep following the, lo- the rules and let's get out of lockdown as soon as possible. Now, um I've been up to Manicar Rovers, and yes, it's def- definitely uh, good to go into the club rooms, have a beer after a game. Uh, very welcoming. So do uh, do head down there. I'm on the Boundary of Brewery beers this evening. I'm running a bit low, so I'll be hitting the uh, supermarket tomorrow to get myself a, to get myself some more. Thinking um, I might go for some Waikato Draft this time, or something something different. But uh, to get a different colour can to go on the old row there uh, behind me. So yes, for those of you on this podcast, uh, you can't see my my wall of beer cans that's growing. Um, during this lockdown um, the so from the weekend obviously we had the the, the two rugby championship games um, the uh, all blacks nilling um the jaguares uh it's not the jaguares the pumas Humas. um <laughs> dear me. Uh, and um and with the last kick of the game after the hooter had gone uh we had quade cooper um knocking over the points to uh, for the wallabies to beat the uh, springboks now We did post-match reactions to both those games. So, again, you can go back and listen to those. We won't go into the games in detail. Um, But uh, key takeaways from the uh, All Blacks uh,
2: versus the Pughes game um, from you, Bar. Well, a couple of things for me. I think the All Blacks, the willingness to attack uh, for 80 minutes. They didn't take the foot off the pedal, if you recall. Uh, First game against the Wallabies, slow. won at Eden Park. You know, pretty much after 50 minutes, the game was won. They took the foot off the pedal they conceded all those tries. This was a very different beast. Keep in mind, we we're missing, what, six frontline starters potentially, including skibadi Sever. Uh, so I really liked what the uh, the All Blacks did. And, you know, they were very cohesive in recycling possession. Because keep in mind, the Argentinian Pumas, they were very resolute. Uh, you know, obviously mixed in with a bit of uh, line speed, which was offside most of the time. And, of course, they got away with plenty uh, at the breakdown. So, I was very very pleased with the All Blacks' attitude. They just kept relentlessly attacking, um, and they you know they just they were they were very professional. They 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 looked like a team who had a very very clear goal in wanting to finish the Pumas, and it's exactly what they did. Uh, the second thing I want to say is, uh, yeah, that goal kick, that last uh, shot at goal, that that told us, uh, you know, this was a team um, when things no matter how, you know, how, how good things are going, they're willing to actually just slow everything down, take a deep breath, reassess, take the points, kill the clock and treat every game pretty much like a final. So it bodes really well. Some really good progressive form lines, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, but for me, those are the two key takeaways from the All Blacks.
0: The um And uh, yes, the, the, the All Blacks did have a... a, a, a uh, a co- comprehensive thing i think they'll be as happy about that zero as they are about the 39 uh in that one and don't really did uh dominate the game via possession which is a different way of of, of play with seeing lots, lots of teams willing to give the ball away uh and uh, and be attacked but no this was a this was a, this was a possession led uh domination of the game um simon says yeah I'll we'll need to adjust to the new climate uh the new south Wales, tor- new-, new south american tournaments um, will take time to develop, um, and yes, um, the um, and he says, yeah, mine is saying the South, Amer- South American sports competitions feeds into the European club competitions, yeah, uh, and, and this is I guess this is the problem it is is around with, with the loss of the Jaguars we're um, we're seeing that cohesion and the access to the players um, to develop and work with them has uh, has disappeared. Mike uh, I think it's going to be a, a yeah, the, the it's it's a Transition period for uh, the Pumas as they figure out how to manage a team where you don't have control of the players, and that's going to be a real. I think it's going to be a real problem for Argentina um, going forward. I think we might end back up in that cycle where uh, for three years um, they're not quite so good, and then come around World Cup time they uh, step things up, like we've seen from uh, some of the Pacific Nations teams, because they'll get three to four months together ahead of that Rugby World Cup. Um, and I think we've, uh, what we're seeing here is a team that isn't together because they are at so many different uh, 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 clubs in Europe uh, trying to come together and be a team.
2: I just want to jump on nocturnal rights uh, comment he makes, Argentina got to be worried. Uh, that It's very correct because one of the worrying factors I did notice was Argentinians didn't have that same go-forward gusto, And I think it had a lot to do with the All Blacks tackle technique and where they entered the tackle, which is what we call the sternum or the breadbasket line. If you saw that first hit, from the kickoff, Nepal, Laulala absolutely folded. Uh, I think it was uh, it was Pablo Matera in half, and, and that pretty much set the tone. Every single hit the All Blacks put on had purpose, and I think that really dented both the physical as well as psychological confidence of the Pumas. And most of their movements were very, very lateral. So all what it meant was that All Blacks jockey defense. They just kept moving them out wide. They stayed patient, wait for the turnover. And they absolutely killed it. So, yes, worrying signs for the Pumas. And what's even more worrying is, I uh, saw so Coach John Plumtree was saying that most of his uh, first-choice players who are on out for injury duty, are Patrick Topoloto, uh adi severe, they're all ready to go. So I don't think this all-black side is going to let up. They're going to be ruthless. I think they've got one foot on the throat of these Pumas. And I think they will want to carry on this form line and probably step up that much more so this is great progressive form line and a great build up and for once despite all the injuries everything seems to be falling in place for the all blacks
0: uh, yeah th- th- so uh, fr- from a uh, competition point of view um, the uh, with the all blacks picking up their third try bonus point win of the competition this means that uh, they can go into the next game with the uh, against the uh, i guess argentina next weekend and generally with a um, uh, what do you call it with with with, uh, with 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 a bit of relaxing if they do lose the game it's not a big deal because they, because they are six points I think, or five points ahead of the of, of the spring box um now obviously, that's not what they're looking for but it does mean that they don't that this isn't a must win the, the pressure to win this game isn't there um i think we will see um probably towards 10 or so changes uh in the uh, starting 15 uh, i expect, i expect a very different um lineup uh for this next game um and uh, we'll see and, and that'll give us an idea as to who will coming, who's being rested or being uh f- for the for the two spring box clashes i think we'll see the first choice uh team of a- a- out of this squad for those two games uh, and we'll see pretty much uh we'll see as many of them as possible rested um for this one so um i do think uh yeah it, it's as you say things have fallen into place um, for uh, the the All Blacks in this competition, uh, and uh, yeah, they'll be very happy with the, with they are with with where they are with that. Um, moving um, on then to the second game with the uh, Wallabies up against uh, the uh, Springboks. What were your uh, what what were your key takeaways on this one?
2: Well, I have to say the statistical pattern strikes again. I did say it last week on this <laughs> show that uh, the Springboks. And, and you know, guys and girls, these statistical patterns they exist for a reason, right? You you can you can call it superstition, uh, you know, a man upstairs controlling the universe, whatever it is, for whatever reason. South Africa, whenever they come to Australia, they struggle, and every single time after they've won a World Cup and they've come to Australia, they've always lost to the Wallaby. So that tells you something very very telling. Um, look. South Africa really have only themselves to blame. They played some type of rugby, which was well non-existent. They just kicked the ball up in the air and hoped something happened. Nine times out of ten, it didn't. And even though the game was, you know, come on, let's face it, it was stop-start. It was like waiting for your Uber each driver to turn up. At you know, at at, at some point, uh, there was I think there was like seven, maybe eight water breaks. It was stop-start. Slow And most of the time, the Wallabies, uh, particularly Quaid Cooper, he had he ha- he hardly had anything to do. So, it was the perfect way to play people into form. So, South Africa came to Australia hoping not to lose. Let me say that again, hoping not to lose. They didn't no, come out And they played, you know, they, they were just, they hoped that cruise mode would get them home. It didn't. Uh, and fate had it. That very last play, they gave away a penalty. Uh, and I have to say, referee Luke Pierce. Fantastic job. Uh, overall, he did a, a, a brilliant job. And lo and behold, who turns up? Quaid Cooper. And always trust the Kiwi to bail out Australia. So, um, yeah, look, South Africa, they've only got themselves to blame. They have all these fantastic strike weapons out wide. But whenever they try to run the ball, they just got lost in the moment because you, you just can't snap out of that whole mentality, that whole culture they've built. We're saying, look, we play a very staunch, boring former rugby to win. Well, guess what? What worked yesterday is not going to work today and is sure as heck not going to work tomorrow. So they've got some serious uh, oh, re strategizing I, I to do.
0: I, I look, I, I don't, I don't, look, they had this game won if Pollard could have kicked his goals. Right? They left 10 points out there. The, um, the Wallabies took all of their points uh, and that was the difference in this game. Uh, if if the Pew, if if the uh, if Pollard kicks his goals, the Springboks win this game, uh, and we're not saying they have to change their full game plan. So uh, look, they don't, they don't need to change their full game plan. I do believe they were flat. Um, they 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 weren't. Uh, there was only one period I remember where the defence actually pushed back the the attack, um, and then after that we saw uh, the Hooper break down the left hand side, um, and that's generally how the, uh, the that that's what they're relying on. They're relying on their defence to um stop and push back um the uh the attacking team uh as the attacking team then goes through its phases and loses ground they have to kick it um and then they go into a kicking duel that they generally are better at they just didn't, they they their defenders couldn't do that and they couldn't and they missed their penalties um, i think everything had to go right for the wallabies to win it did um, i i think for the wallabies I, think, uh, I can't see the wallabies winning again next week for my mind, because I don't think they'll get every, I don't think everything will go their way like it did last weekend.
2: Well, Paul, I disagree with uh, what you say about everything had to go right for the ball, everything didn't go right. I mean, they were were full of errors and very indisciplined. They gave away some stupid penalties, you know, no arms tackles, grass cutter tackles. The one thing I have to criticize the Springboks on is they had six very kickable penalties, six easy three-pointers, that's 18 points. Instead, they went for touch. They did score twice of driving fishtail moles. But on those other four occasions, they coughed it up, gave it gave the possession back to um, Australia. And that, for me, was, as you rightly pointed out, Pollard missed his kicks. And had they attempted some of those kicks, it would be a really very different story. So to me, it was just brain-dead tactics because all they knew was to put it into left-hand downtown corner shop you make a cup of tea, and then just drive it over. And they did that successfully on two occasions. Um, but for, for, for the rest of the time, the because it became so predictable, they were hitting number four in the middle of the line-out, uh, the Wallaby um, more defense held up on three occasions. So for me, that was the defining point, and it all came down to tactics, and they just looked flat as a bad beer on a Saturday night.
0: I, yeah, I... I just- I just don't think they got. Off the, I don't think they got off the plane well, um, which is, um, which I, and uh, I'd say, I think an extra week we will see a, a different, uh, a, a more up for it South African side. Uh, I, I don't expect to see much of a change in tactics, um, but I do expect them to execute better next time. Now, um, as I've got a coach on and someone who knows a bit about, uh, hopefully a bit about um, scrumming, I want to ask you this. I, I put out a tweet saying, "Where did that wall of your scrum come from?" Uh, and that was after the scrum, just before half time which um, they've been going backwards pretty much the whole of the uh, half, and then they suddenly won that one. Now, this tweet came from Dave um, to me. He said, the Wallabies had been trying for a hooker squeeze all first half. South Africa went into that scrum expecting the same thing, only to get a tight head pinch um, with a tight pivot. All credit to Alatoa for that. It takes a really strong tight head to make that work. So is did you see something like along those lines where they had been trying a tactic of, of what what they call a hooker squeeze here, or what he calls a hooker squeeze, um, and then changing to a tight pinch?
2: That is certainly one part of one piece of the puzzle. Uh, what I would credit to is if we actually go and look at the scrummaging and if you look at the side on shots, Micron does a very good illustration of this. In fact, during training, what Micron does is he'd, he'd walk around with a, a long handled broomstick, and what the broomstick is used for is to make sure that the front rows that they're back. So if you're looking side on, most front rows just tend to have a little bit of an arc in the back. But if you go back and look at the dominant scrums this last game, the Wallabies uh, put on the spring box, they a nice straight parallel back to the floor. It's what we call a seat of power. So coupled in with some of these changes, and absolutely Alator had a fantastic game muscling up against these, you know, formidable uh, world champion front rowers. And they just got the, the squeeze and the drive pretty much on point. And that just caught the um, Springboks off guard. And Springboks, if you notice, they tend to kind of push on a slight angle to the right hand side. If you looked at that last scrum, they're actually pushing on the angle. And that's what they kind of lost shape. Whereas the Wallabies were really looking to try and drive as straight as you can. And once you get that seat of power, you get into a nice low bind and you in you know you get that good engage on and you hold and just squeeze right through you know it, it, it's it's actually a fairly straightforward thing so well done to them they've clearly worked on the issues over the last seven days and I think it was more uh, upstairs the top two inches they really got their the, the mindset together and they actually wanted to prove a point to the spring box and of course you saw that la- the, the scrum just before halftime where actually decimated that spring box uh, scrum that to me, I think in this two-game series is going to be a significant mental barrier which the Wallabies have now successfully crossed.
0: Uh, yeah. Look, so, as Doctor Wright says, yes, Africa will be better, but the Wallabies will have real confidence and be better as well. Um, the uh, they got to be guard from overconfidence in that one. Uh, looking forward then to this weekend. How do you how would you, how would you go about selection then? Uh, the uh, the Springboks. Clearly, if they're going to be, they going to win the, win the rugby championship. They have to win the next three games on the bounce. Um, whereas uh, the Wallabies, I think they, they already know that the uh, championship is out of the way. Um, and uh, so, how do you think? So, so for the I mean for the Springboks, is it they have to pick their first choice ta- side for the next three games, or or
2: can they afford to rotate? Well, absolutely, the pressure is full, you know, squarely on them. And credibility of the world champs are pretty much, yeah, you know, it's pretty much on the line there credibility. I'd make two key changes, actually, obviously, try and get Cheslin Colby in there and get him as much ball as possible. I think he's, you know, arguably the best winger, best attacking weapon in rugby union on planet Earth right now. And also, I'd look at getting Mone stain into the 23 in some form or shape, because again, goal kicking. Uh, he, to me, is, is a better player at distributing rather than Hunter Pollard. Uh, and I think he's the sort of experience you need. And how many times, how many times has Moni come out and bail the Springboks, last-minute kicking a penalty goal in two successful Lions series? Um, and he'll be called upon as well. Um, everything else, I wouldn't change too much. Um, a bit concerned about uh, Vermeulen's form line. He was just, just a bit scratchy, and I thought he looked a little bit out of sorts. Uh, but overall, they just got a man up and then front up. As far as the Wallabies are concerned... Um, well, no, 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 we no. Let's,
0: just, let's we'll stick, stick stick with that for a second. I the the the, the, the point about so Dwayne Mullins is that look, he's just back from injury. It's his first game back. Uh, I, I, he's not match fit. I think we well, I think we can uh, agree that uh, and that uh, he is um, and uh, that so yeah, he, he'll 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 improve from that game time. Uh, and uh, so yeah, so I think I think we'll see him back again. Um, the so yes, yeah, so I think it's 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 going to have to be the best side because of that. Um, whether, whether Mournay Stern should be in there, uh, I, I'm not, um, I don't know if the old boy should be there. Um, uh, but so uh, the, I guess the other question, uh, cause yeah, right ahead of Willemsa, I think Willemsa needs to be given the opportunity, the chance they, they've, they've also got, whilst they are defending that, uh, kind of the well, not defending their world championship, but, some um, defending their reputation as world champions, they've also got to look forward two years, uh, two years as well at 2023. Uh, and the next Rugby World Cup, Mournay Stone will not be there.
2: <laughs> Let's be blunt. I, 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 um, I get that. I get that. And Volemsa is, you know, he's going to be part of this group as part of the future. But the reality is Mournay Steyn is playing his best rugby in his twilight careers. And this is a must-win game. So you can't say no to that sort of experience. And I think short term, the Springboks are sort of in a spot of desperation. So. They've got, to, uh, they've got to, you know, they've got to, you know, roll with the experience. And, of course, one of the things I also have to say is Juan Vermulen maybe push him back to the bench and maybe start with Quagga Smith. I love some of the enthusiasm and some of the work rate. he Quagga, you know, came and did uh, off the bench. I mean, he won a turnover penalty. I thought it was actually quite blatantly illegal because he pumped both his fists straight on the ground. And it was a crit- critical turnover. And then they went into touch. And they scored of uh, a fishtail driving more, so that's that's probably another uh, uh, tactical change I would look. Probably play Quagga Smith for about fifty minutes and then bring uh, Vermulen on. So yeah, just uh, yeah, well, they, I, they've re- the, they've really got the, a front the, problem, the
0: Problem with that is that Quagga Smith came on for Sir Khaleesi in that in their op- in the open side uh, position. Um, so uh, playing two open sides, I'm not sure is is is, is the way to go. They had Weiss. Came on and replaced Twain Vermeulen, who's their number eight. Um, and hopefully, I'm pronouncing that uh, properly. Um, folks, so yeah, it's to me that's um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would start with, I don't think you can start with two open sides uh in this game, to be honest. Uh, and I think they, they, they found that out during the Lions series when they did did try that with with, with Quagga Smith. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I think it will be their best team. Um, uh, and uh, the and you're you quite right. The best team does obviously inv- inv- involve bringing Ches and Colby back if he's fit. Uh, and the only reason he was dro- he was missing was because of injury. Uh, and obviously, the other person that's injured is Peter, Peter Steph's a toy, but he can't come back because he's out for the whole season. Um, from the Wallabies' point of view, uh, how do you, how do you go at this? And do you do you, uh, uh, I'm guessing you go with the same, let the same side go again and then look at rotating for the Argentina games, or do you rotate no, no now problem. and then?
2: No, no question. Look, the Wallabies can't get too ahead of themselves. And this is the good old saying, you know, never change a it's coach's good old adage, which is never change a winning combination. So uh, pretty much, uh, you know, stick with the same sort of 23. Uh, I probably have a look at uh, ex monica Rova, ex-Mangare boy, um, Hunter Paisami, because he's back from uh, parental leave. Um, and he, you know, he, he could be a, a real powerhouse in that midfield, particularly putting some big hits uh, in and around that uh, Springbok midfield. But by and large, I think I'd, I'd stay with the same uh, 15. Uh, Hunter Paisami is that, you know, asterisk in the 23. Maybe he comes off the, uh, the bench. But from a tactical point of view, if I was Dave Rennie, I would just attack, attack, attack at every given opportunity. Because uh, here's a very interesting statistic for you, ladies and gentlemen, the tackle completion rate. So in Test Rugby, any decent uh, self-respecting side will make 9 out of 10 tackles. That's about a 90% completion uh, of successful tackles or a tackle completion that's rate. A, no,
0: look, oh, no, that, that, that's a uh, – anything in the high 80s is good. Um, anything above 88 is, is, is a decent uh, Is you, – you've had a good game.
2: It is, it is. So the box had 84, so that's 121 from 141, as opposed to the Wallabies who had a 94% success rate. So that, that's a very telling statistic. So that showed that these box are not as good as most people make them out to be, or maybe on that particular day, they just missed their trip. Uh, so yes, they, I,
0: I, I, I would say, they, I think they had, a flat, they had a flat game. To say they're not as good as, as uh, I mean, look, you don't become world champions, you don't get a more ranking ranking if you're bad. So look, they, they are a good team. They've had, they had, they had an off day, um, and uh, look if, if, they, if they do if they do it again this weekend, then you can tell me I'm wrong. But I'm but, uh, but I'm going to stick with that one for now. I, a couple of changes that will have to happen by the sounds of it. Nick McDermott might be out with an injury, um, and uh, Alan Alalatoa is missing um, as he goes on paternity leave for the uh, rest of the tournament. Um, so there'll be a couple of changes in that side that are, that are enforced. Um, oh, wow. Apparently James O'Connor might be back as well. So we'll see about that one. Um, the, uh, and, uh, but, some um, to my mind, uh, it's, it's going to be tough then for someone like, um, Hodge who would uh, potentially be dropped, uh, who I don't think said anything wrong, uh, in that match day 23 and he adds great versatility. So we'll see how that one pans out. Uh, I'm a big fan of Hodge personally. So on that one, um, but as the uh, sides get named, we will go through them on the uh, um, lockdown beers and um, rugby chat. That's at 5 p.m. every day. So don't forget to join us for those um, folks. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the, um, the rugby championship kind of out of the way. Let's uh, move on then to we've got the MPC and the Farrah Palmer Cup coming up this weekend. Then uh, in the MPC, we've got some um, four games I will be at um fmg stadium on um friday nights for waikato versus canterbury um, how do you see uh, how do you see that one going? I that, that's that to me is a a fantastic clash um waikato going really well so
2: far um, this season absolutely look had there been no covid and had there been no break i would have said you know waikato would probably have just marched on because canterbury are finding themselves you know unusually lower spot on the table but i think this reset would have Low really
0: lost you mean <laughs> uh
2: I, I i think this break was is just pretty much it's it's a godsend for canterbury and the they would have they would have really done their homework so i'm expecting this canterbury side to come back and i am well based on rankings as we speak to create a bit of an upset and beat Waikato. so I, I, I'm, I'm very much uh, in favor of that because if you, if you look at any sort of history wherever the Cantabrians have had a buy or a bit of a break they'll always come back and bounce back.
0: Um, yeah it should be it's, 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 I say I think it's gonna be an absolute um, an absolute cracking one um, so um, obviously being a, obviously living in the Waikato and uh, uh, and covering them I'm hoping that they can continue their good form two bonus point wins so far this season. Uh, as you can see there on the table. Canterbury so far with the, a win and a loss um, at uh, the bottom of the table. They're on, the only team in the Premiership on negative points difference uh, there, which is a, an unusual place for them. Um, on the on Saturday, we've got two games, um, Taranaki versus Wellington. Uh, clearly, Wellington will go into that one as favourites, um, with Taranaki being the championship side. Um, and uh, then... Um, and what's um, he says, and as you can see, Taranaki though have had two wins so far this season, so it's it's uh, it's not yeah, it, it's not beyond the realms of
2: uh, possibility that Wellington could slip up here. Um, um, I'm I'm very bullish about an upset, and again, the reset, I like the look of the Taranaki side, they've got some really exciting players out wide, some real good game breakers there, so I'm very bullish on an upset with Taranaki, and I think it's gonna be. I wouldn't say super tight. And and, and keep in mind, given that we're coming back, the games aren't necessarily going to be of the highest quality. There will be mistakes. So I think that gives a team like Taranaki a bit of an opportunity. And I am picking Taranaki, again, to upset the Wellington Lions.
0: Well, I've always said that Wellington should should go into this one as favourites. We uh, then uh, have Northland versus Tasman. Uh, as you would have seen, uh, Northland bottom of the championship up against the reigning champions, Tasman, uh, who have won two games so far um, at, uh, with, without bonus points. Uh, and you've got to say, yeah, this is a, uh, look, it's a tough, it's a very tough ask for Northland to come back and have this. Obviously, they've had a little less uh, time to prepare than all the other provinces because they, uh, re- their levels came down slightly slower. Um, so, yeah, Tasman, uh, I expect to win that one on Saturday. Um Bell, are you going to
2: pull out any kind yep, of stats no Is that one? no stats unfortunately all the stats look very bleak for the Tanifa and I think Tanifa are going to feel the full brunt of Tasman and Tasman should quite easily dispatch them I'm picking at least three tries plus so maybe 15 to 21 points plus Tasman should have a fairly straightforward day in the office and the final game of the rounds on Sunday.
0: It this one is an absolute cracker. It is the Ran Shield, it is also Battle of the Bays, and it's also fifth versus sixth in the Premiership table. Um, I think pretty much everything, um, has been, um, uh, is it, kind of on the line for this game, uh, down in uh, uh Nelson. Um, <laughs> This is well, this is this is gonna be a tight game. I'm gonna be backing my Bay of Plenty. Boa, where do you think they're gonna be? Uh, where, 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 how do you see this one hand, um, going?
2: Well, look, I do have a slight bias towards the Bay of Plenty. Uh no, no question. Game of the week. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there for I am actually I, I can't split these two, particularly on the reset, on the bounce back. I cannot split these two. Therefore, I'm going to go for a draw. There you a draw! Go. Wow, only right the first a draw. <laughs> so uh,
0: I guess on a draw that uh, Hawks Bay would then retain the shield on in that situation.
2: They, they, they certainly will, but I, look, it's just too close to call. I mean, I, I looked at some of the footage, I, I looked at some of the numbers. It's we haven't had this sort of uh, result in a while, and I think this is the one. Again, you got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, draw is a very low probability uh, result, <laughs> but if it does happen. Don't be surprised. And yours truly will look like an absolute genius. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll see. Um,
0: the, um, um, the, so yeah, so I, I, as I'm backing Bay beds This one, they've, they've beaten, they, well, they, they've held the title of the bay um, for the far, past few years. Uh, and uh, so, yes, I'm backing them to continue that even with uh, the new coach, coaching structure there um, as they uh, learn uh, to, uh, as they sort of bed in, um, in that one. Um, the, um, so, um, I so, see, yeah, so I'm backing bear plenty on that one. Uh, the, one of the points that was brought that, that was mentioned, um, the, uh, oh yeah, that's definitely. Hiring for your small
1: business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Good return on the on the tab for a draw, not uh, Nocturnal rights. Um, but I wouldn't. I he's to I, I, it. I, I wouldn't go there.
2: were you. Yeah, he's he's to it.
0: Let's say no more. Aaron's trying to make a joke, saying I oh, will go for the Bay team. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, right then, nocturnal rights brings up uh, a point here that says that Shannon Frizzell will be playing for Tasman. Assault charges dropped against him. Okay, so, um, we uh, Steve and I had a quick chat about this one um, earlier today, uh, and. Uh, and the situation. Um, so for me, uh, Shannon Frizel should, should not be picked back into the All Blacks this year. I think he needs to stay in New Zealand, uh, stay doing, uh, going through uh, the rehabilitation and uh, the counseling sessions that he is, that he said he is putting himself through. Um, now, quite what those are uh, has not been, is, is not clear. Um, he just said he's, he's, he's working to, 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 to not put himself in these situations or not to do this again. Just because charges were dropped doesn't mean that it didn't actually happen. Remember, this was—he is a first-time offender in this situation, so um, there's a process you can go through where you do some, do some, do some um, work to, to say, actually, please drop the charge. I'll, I'll do this instead of being charged. Um, so there is uh, an admission that something definitely happened that shouldn't have happened um, in this uh, in this place. Whether he accepts full guilt for what happened, I, I don't. So I don't really know. But for me, for my mind. Uh, he shouldn't be with the All Blacks. He should be here uh, and and, and, re, and rehabilitating for the rest of the year. Also, we've seen this situation before with with Reese, who did who went through a who also uh, went through counselling. Now, I'm aware that he went through a process, but there was no transparency there was no, about that. Um, the um, so the um, so so to my mind. Um, the, uh, the the who sort of say sort of throwing accusations on on uh, social media apps um but I personally believe that uh, they should be more open with the rehabilitation process so that we know that they have made an effort to change um, uh, Simon says um, what's happened to be settling the courts uh, who are we to judge well, um, uh, well we, we are entitled to our opinions uh, and also uh, the he he's whilst he plays rugby his job is to have brands on his jersey okay and he represents those brands so the kind of person he is uh is is associated with that and so the 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 the, the job he has chosen um requires that one um
2: the as the, i oh, says, sorry you oh, the yeah, look, this this is a bit of a how can I put it? What's the correct choice of words? I've got to be somewhat politically correct about this. I think this is a, a sort of semi-sensitive issue because I, I did do a little bit of reading into this uh, particular case. I uh, think there has been a restorative justice meeting where they've you know the victim uh, and Shannon have met and they've gone through a certain process. And looks like from that point of view. Um, he and his employer, along with the victim, have done as much as they can to kind of bode uh, whatever wounds, uh, you know, whatever you know, uh, harm happened. Um, on the other hand, you, you're absolutely right, because, you know, he is an all black. He is part of our flagship brand of the national sport. And, they, and that comes, you know, with certain privilege and responsibility to behave in a certain manner. Which is not going to do damage to that particular brand, and there's a massive expectation from the general public at large, because these guys are role models. Now, of course, this is nothing to, do, as uh, Simon pointed out, uh, from a legal point of view, everything is done and dusted, and the, le- the legal standing is it's all it's 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 a close matter. Now he's free to play, but I think from a moral point of view, and from what the country has come to expect from some of these guys, as brand ambassadors as role models uh, far outweighs any other legal standings, the implications, or the lack of it. So I'm absolutely with you and Stephen Harris on that. I think there needs to be some kind of process where he actually has to go through just, it's kind of like beyond the normal mending of fences, if I were to pick a choice of words so that he can actually justify his position within the brand and the value he brings both on and off the field. So he's more than welcome to come down here after the NPC season and help me with cleaning the estuary because <laughs> tell you what tell you what there's, there's, a, there's a lot of work to be done and I'm getting old and every morning I wake up oh I, I really feel it. but uh, look I'm, I for one I'm very very pleased that uh, both he and the victim have had a restorative justice process and this is this is now behind us. And he's just got to do his thing off the field. And hopefully, you know, he can really focus on what he has to do with Tasman. Whether or not he gets called up to All Blacks, it's an entirely different matter. There's every chance he will. Probably going to, uh, on the Northern Tour. We'll wait and see. And, uh, you know, if I was, if I was uh, Mr. Brazil, you know, he's, he has everything to lose. So just keep your head down. Don't worry about going into bars and having, having a, a good time for the moment. Just, just keep your head down. Do, do the work, both on and off the field. And then, when you get an opportunity, score a hat trick of tries. Everyone will forget <laughs> everything which has happened and everything will be fine. And just, uh, yeah, look, I, I just wish everyone well in this whole situation. And I'm, I'm just pleased that it's, it's at least the legal side of it is out of the way.
0: Yeah, look, you got diversion, which whatever diversion means, I don't really know. Nocturnal um, Wright says no summary of facts was presented in court. That's true. We've seen a whole bunch of stuff in the media, though. And Fizzell disputed uh, it earlier. In a court appearance, okay, fine. Um, uh, the other part, the other part is making claims in the media, but that's that's true. Um, you don't get diversion for slapping and punching a woman. Well, I don't know if you do or you don't, as a first time offender, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know what the legal situation in that is. Uh, something happened, but maybe not that what was being said says not to otherwise. I'm sure we've we've heard one side of the story, right? We've heard a side, we haven't heard both sides, and um, I doubt we ever will. Um, so clearly. Uh, was it exactly as that person said? Probably not. Um, but um, either, way, um, w- either way, what has happened? Either way, what, what is clearly something has happened. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had to go through diversion. Right? Um, so uh, to, to my mind, yeah, that uh, I don't think he should go on the November tour. I think he should be uh, spending his time getting himself right um off the pitch as well. Uh, we've seen previously players such as Aaron Smith where off- the- pitch issues have in, have impacted their on on, on the field um, performances and I think you should just make sure he's got everything in place ready to hit the ground prop, running properly in next season uh, now as I I personally would like to see some news um, about the um, uh, what's the talking about? about the uh, about the process he's going through to to, to improve himself um, so that we can see that he has made the effort there Um but that's I said, that, that's a personal point of view. Um, and talking right, yeah, Foster made a practical decision not to take Rizel to Australia because of the customs entry. Well, uh, that's uh, that might be case, um, and that's. But personally, I, I still think he shouldn't take him on the November tour. Full stop. But that's I say that's my point of view. Um, on yeah. And look,
2: and if, if the 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 reality is, if this current bunch of guys. Play the way they're playing; it's going to be very difficult for him to find a spot in the tour party, anyway. So there's that big question mark. So all he can do is play himself into form with his NPC side, uh, and of course, um, yeah, with with you know with the rehab and post event, the, I I know for a fact that the Professional Players Association have lots of processes in place. They, they, you know they're very you know very protective about it. And I can understand why, because you know, it's, there's privacy concerns around it. But one thing I can say is comprehensively, there are some very good, robust, stringent processes where they go through these programs. Um, I've I've had a glimpse of it because with some of some of the players I've been involved in the past, where they've been fast tracked into NPC sites. Uh, you know, I've I've sort of been in the in, involved in the middle where players have had you know, personal discussions off the field and, you know, being, being someone involved in helping them get themselves back into it and, you know, get, get the head space, right? So no, no question, everything which happens off field, they will be scrutinized and it will have a direct correlation and impact on what they do on the field. So hopefully Mr. Frazell will be better off for this entire experience, gets everything sussed out and it turns into a barnstorming all black. However, he's got a lot of work to do because uh, the, the mob in front of him on tour are having a great time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one final point here. Um, Aaron says that he's been judged and cleared by the law. Media is not the jury and has nothing to do with it. True. Uh, and and f- from the from a legal point of view, absolutely. From a, what is his job as a brand ambassador to do part of it? Then I'm afraid, sorry, the media does have a part to play because he's a brand ambassador. And now, the role model piece, I'm not a big, I'm not, not so big on that one. Um, but, um talking about the uh, but from, from my mind from the as as a brand ambassador uh, unfortunately his public image does does play a part um anyway put that one to bed now move on um and um, Simon says uh, be interesting at the Auckland sides will be allowed to move to Taupo so yes interesting here um that um yeah any any as someone in Auckland and involved in the uh, sort of Auckland rugby rugby community have you is there anything you've heard around possibility
2: of them uh leaving uh Auckland yeah look word on the street and a few few of my track spies jumping out of the trees uh, Chinese whispers uh, say that Auckland rugby right, have made a very strong business case to uh the ministry of business innovation and enterprise to actually move the entire bubble the entire squad out of Auckland to the Waikato um region from what I've been told it's somewhere in and around the Hamilton area now I could and, and again, guys, these these just only you know, you know, information which just comes from third party, so it's it's not set in stone. Uh, that's the sort of information which is sort of floating around. Um, there's every every possibility that will happen because obviously the uncertainty about uh, case numbers and COVID Delta in Auckland being in level four. There's no absolute guarantee that we will be going to level three. We're just going in principle. So um, I think it's a a smart move. But that said, if we do end up going to um, level three, they've obviously made plans for that as well. But as things are, yes, they are looking to move the entire squad as a biological bubble, a professional biological bubble, along with all their support staff, to the Waikato district.
0: Uh, And we have to assume that uh, the uh, North Harbour and uh, Counties Manukau will be be going through a, uh, a similar um, kind of process um, as well uh, in, in that one. Uh, that uh, I'm sure New Zealand Rugby is advising all three of them, uh, and is it, fully involved in all this sort of stuff. Uh, it's interesting um, as a Super Rugby franchise. Uh, I understand them doing it. There's the, the money involved and the resources available to Super Rugby franchises are much bigger than they are to uh, NPC teams. Uh, you got to remember that some of these NPC players are part time; um, they're not full time. Professional sports people, uh, and so they some of them uh, might have uh, what's what I'm looking for um, uh, co- commitments that I mean they can't uh, they, they they can't move the bubble. We'll see uh, how that um, uh, how that pans out for some of them. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was I was unsure as to whether the NPC ones would have the resources to to do what a super big one does, but it sounds like they can. So yeah, good luck to them, basically.
2: You know, look, I mean, I, there's this few kids in the Auckland side who I personally know. I mean, they have day jobs, you know, they work in factories and they don't, they're they not full time professionals. So it's a big challenge. And, and who knows, based on what we've seen, maybe the Auckland side could relocate to Wanaka. And, uh, you know. <laughs> what, are they, are they all horse trainers or something? Um, they, um, <laughs> horse trainers, think, and or horse
0: yeah, trainers and lawyers. All health trainers and
2: lawyers. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought I'd throw that idea there. So. Uh, the mayor of Queenstown, if you're if you're tuning in, I said it here first. Get the Auckland NPC site down there, right next to the race course. This is beautiful. They don't they don't race there anymore, but they've got a beautiful little rugby ground. And yeah, there you go.
0: Well, the Highlanders were were supposed to be taking one of their games to Queenstown, weren't they, or to Wanaka, uh, somewhere around about there, anyway. Um, so yeah, so clearly it, it is an option. It is the, they they have the facilities for something like that, um, and obviously um, the. Uh, um, that's yeah, it's not maybe employ QC as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, the um, but uh, yeah, there is also the option of Taupo. Um, when the um, uh, when Bay of Plenty were going to um, do their partnership with China for the China Lions, uh, in global rapid rugby, they were talking about playing some of their games out of Taupo. So, um, there are a number of options for these places. I mean, Rotorua is another one, um, as well. Um, so, um, the uh, so yeah, so there's, there's, there's a number of places that these three teams could base themselves. Uh, and because I don't think Hamilton really has the facilities for all for all three teams to relocate there, along with Waikato, they don't get a bit crowded on the rugby pitches and for, for, for training, etc. So, um, so yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if they relocate to different locations. Um, to be honest with you, um, one of them potentially up to Northland, where um, they've obviously got the new facilities that have been set up for, for New Orleans, yeah the uh, women's rugby world cup so we'll see where they uh, where, where they go we're, we're purely speculating at this time mm. um but sticking with provincial rugby we have got the uh, on saturday i will be going to the only Farrah palmer cup game of the weekend which is the uh, bay of plenty hosting otago <clears throat> spirit in that one uh, as you can see from the table both of them have had um a really tough seasons so far both have played four games lost four this is their opportunity to get their first win on the table. Um, the, uh, I mean, very similar records there, as you can see. Uh, tries, uh, sort of points for 49 and 42, points against 120, 118. Um, Otago Spirit, though, kept one of their games close enough to get a bonus point. Bowie Plenty not done so, so far. So, um, yeah, a, a real desperate game for these two to, uh, to base. This is basically who will finish bottom of the table. Uh, most likely, in this game. So, a desperate one on Saturday. Uh, any thoughts um, on uh, on that one, Bart?
2: Well, look, uh, to, to be frank, I, I haven't followed much of the Farah Palmer Cup, particularly with these two teams. And it looks like a bit of a battle of the cellar dwellers. So, just judging by that last game, I think it was Otago versus... Was it, was it the Counties, Monaco Heat? They got the bonus point against? Um, so, yeah, uh. probably probably go with those goals uh but who knows maybe this might this might have all the hallmarks for a cracking game it might go right down to the wire um, but uh, yeah just based on what i'm seeing i think i'd just go with the uh otago spirit and uh maybe they just got home under five points
0: <clears throat> yeah like it's going to be a cra- it's going to, it's going to be a tight one i think um i'm the uh the target spirit really struggled last year and so um it doesn't surprise me to see them down there they have plenty though uh, have I think underperformed in my opinion? I think they've got more to them um, than this, so I'm backing Bay of Plenty to uh, to find that uh, and uh, and get the result this weekend. I one of the things that it's difficult to look at last week, last year's um, uh, form in some ways because they had the sevens ladies were involved um, in hmm. that in, in that competition, obviously. Then and uh, with um, Tauranga being the base of the uh, New Zealand sevens, uh, they had a few players available for the Bay of Plenty. Uh, and so therefore, uh, yeah, they, I think they're missing a few of them um, really in this one. So um, uh, I'm backing Bay of Plenty. We'll see how that one goes. As I say, I'll be at this game as a post-match um, uh, interviews uh, from this game and also from Waikato versus Canterbury will be on the uh, um, the Ad Driving Mall on Twitter and also New Zealand Sport Radio Facebook page. Um, so keep an eye out for both of those. Um, so where do we go next? Do you want to... Um, have you seen the piece about so uh, world rugby think about having the the rugby world cup every two years what do you what are you what are your thoughts on that one ah
2: uh, yeah nah that's just <laughs> uh. oh my god i mean this is this is i mean yeah yeah we might as well go start digging for treasure it's basically what it is isn't it every two years it's gonna as as things are as things are the global rugby calendar is chocker and you know some of the, most nations are finding it next next to impossible to get a clear release of their players from ongoing club commitments so this is only going to throw more chaos into it and i think every four years that's what fans have been used to and every two years it's it's almost devaluing and undervaluing the the worth of a world cup um so for me it's just too much too fast too quick and just you know this is just trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel and trying to milk people for all their worth and just get some easy money in. Uh, but yeah, it's just to me, it's just a nonsensical idea, which I I, I I just can't figure out for the life of me who in their right thought pattern would come up with this sort of nonsense.
0: So essentially FIFA are looking at it from a football point of view.
2: Um, and hence, that's
0: why it's what's uh, what's been looked at. Um, as nocturnal rights, says, something like the golden goose. Yes, exactly. Um, don't shoot the golden goose. Uh, but once every four years is a nice gap because it does gives us long enough to think about it and to and, and, to, and to and to want to see it again. It's not on, it's not on us um, straight away. Also, where does the British and Irish Lions tour fit? If you do this, you would be killing off that concept. Um, there is no way that this would work. The British and Irish Lions could 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 survive with the World Cup every two years, um, and that is such a money spinner for not just for, this, for the home nations, but also for South Africa, New Zealand and Australia. Um, New Zealand said before, yeah, basically they get a windfall every 12 years that they then use to survive the next 11 years until it comes around again. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, to me, this is a, yeah, it's, a it's a non-starter uh, and just and pure reaction to say, hey, let's copy football, um, which is the one sport you cannot compare or you cannot model off because the level of interest in football is... And it is off the scale compared to any other sport in the world um they are the exception to the rule and everyone else has to work by different rules so yeah
2: a joke of an idea and but- and, and also paul if if let's say they go with this by you know twice every two years it'll basically kill off pacific islands rugby because you know they will absolutely struggle to feel a decent side because as as things are most of the the best Pacific Island players don't get released by their clubs, particularly in Europe, for any decent length of period. So by having a World Cup every two years, you're going to put even more constraints and more sort of demand uh, on the unions. And they simply don't have the resources for it. So to me, this is just absolute madness. And someone just rolled out a bed in the WR executive committee and thought, oh, well, what are we going to do today? Let's just have a World Cup every two years. It's just really ill thought. Um, and also all the domestic competitions and also from from high-performance coach planning point of view, it's just going to put everything out of whack. So this is just going to cause chaos. I think we've got a beautiful thing every four years. Everyone looks forward to it. And it's something to savor. And it's, it's something to put on a pedestal and something really worthwhile to uh, aspire to. Don't change it. Just leave it as it is. And yeah, this, I'm not going to say anymore. So yeah,
0: says, How can football uh, fit regional comps into and the World <laughs> Cup in a year? I have no idea. This isn't a football podcast. I'll leave them to I'll yeah. leave them to think up that one. Um, nocturnal writes is looking for a role at World Rugby. He says he can come up with uh, plenty of uh, stupid ideas and he'd be paid for them um, as well. So
2: there we go. <laughs> you nocturnal, you you Matt, you you are the man. Yeah. You figured it out. That is how. Uh, I, I'm, I'm probably going to shoot myself in football. I'll say it anyway. That's, that's how World rugby functions. And that's why I've probably lost all my hair. Every time, uh, you know, I want to try and put something forward, it's just, it's either, it's either too clever or it's just over-engineered out of realm so that it's in the too hard basket. So if you come up with some stupid, uh, you know, impractical idea, it, it will get the go ahead. Uh, plenty of resources will be thrown at it and you will get promoted. It's that simple. And so thinking, yeah, there's a
0: lot of short-term thinking in rugby. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> if you were to sit down and, I mean, Sandz admitted this in the past that they have no, there was no, there was never a long-term plan for Super Rugby. Um, and uh, that's the question. Yeah, is is there a long-term plan for Super Rugby Pacific? Um, the uh, uh, I don't. Uh, no. I think
2: no, there isn't. No, it's just a gimmick. It's just let's just it's it's like our South Africans do the weekend. Let's put the ball up in the air. And hope something happens. So no, there isn't a long term plan, and then it will be because all it is is you know it's 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 got to be short term. You know, it's like the uh, magic dust. You know, you just sprinkle some magic dust, hope something pops up. If it does morph into something, which I hope it will, there will be some long term future. But yeah, if you if you go to Sensa and say you know what's your ten fifteen year vision or business plan, chances are they'll say look uh, we're working on it. Uh, when we figure it out, we'll let you know
0: to we except they did it they, they they paid for a whole bunch of consultants to come in and do one and then they didn't release it um which <laughs> but never mind um the uh so yeah so that's uh that's so that that's that one there um finally you want to tell a quick chat about the new laws so uh obviously these uh well the the, the most the, the two big ones are the fifty twenty two kick and uh, the goal line dropout and um, there's there is some uh some tweaking around the breakdown or around the rucks sorry and how how you're allowed to clean out and stuff, but I don't think that's um, that's really not ones that some people would see or, or be aware of. But uh, um, the the fifty twenty two, uh, which we saw for the first time uh, in Tier One rugby at the weekend, uh, with the, but we also apparently happened a couple of times in the um, U- uh, the Canada USA World Cup qualifiers. Uh, do you think they've changed anything?
2: No, not really, not really, because I, look, it's. To me, the problem with rugby is it is the one sport in the world uh, which is right at the top of the list where every year, every year they tinker with the rules for the sake of trying to figure out, you know, what problem they're trying to solve. Now, the the, the problem or the perceived problem which they're trying to solve is to speed up the game. But if we look at the evidence outside of the All Blacks and a few of the uh, Pacific Islands, it really hasn't made much difference because if you looked at the Wallabies versus Springboks game... You know, the ball was live in play for less than 22 minutes, you know, and everything else was just stop, start, there were more breaks. There is one thing I would recommend, and this is something I've observed over a period of time. If this whole 50-22 rule is to be um, effective, then the referees really have to speed up the service of the ball being cleared from a ruck. So what that means is... How many times have we seen where the ref says, use, 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 and then 15 seconds later, the halfback still has the ball on the hands. That needs to stop. If we, if you say use or lose, and if referees actually start blowing the whistle and giving the turnover to the defending side, this game is going to uh, rapidly speed itself up. But that's not happening, unfortunately. And, and again, the other thing we, we actually need to look at is simplifying the breakdown. Now, Particularly in the, 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 the Pumas when they played the All Blacks. You know, every other breakdown, what I saw was the Argentinians were leaning on the, the, the player who'd been tackled with either one knee or one elbow and just cons- you know, constantly playing the ball. Now, unfortunately, Nick Berry, who I don't need to go into detail, has been well documented by Mr. Russi Erasmus, you know, kept, kept making the same oversight so you know th- these are the areas which actually need to be changed not try and come up with all these funky rules which less than one percent have actually come to fruition in real game time so, so
0: yeah, i don't want to get dragged into the Razzie thing there but uh, but you're quite right i mean it, it's um with have uh i think it was ian hansen also came out and said that uh, um sorry steve hansen not ian hansen steve hansen was, <laughs> and uh Actually, yeah, that he was trying to get, uh, yeah, that speeding up the play was uh, speeding up the ball, the ruck was 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 the big thing, um, and that look, the breakdown whilst it's talked about a lot isn't even in the law book, so look, the law book and the game have diverged, unfortunately, and that is uh, a massive problem for the game, and yeah, the more you tinker with the laws, the more you ask referees to look at, the less they're going to actually be able to look. They can't look at more things. There's only so many things they can look at. They've only got two eyes. Um, so well, we, it's yeah,
2: it's not. I you know, we, we had Luke, Luke Pierce, uh, you know, for once I saw a referee actually police the breakdown the way it's supposed to, uh, where, you know, soon as someone had a go and they lost their own body weight, there's only one instance where that Quagga Smith, every, every, other, every other breakdown, you know, you had one go and if you didn't have clear release, he'd ping you. And that has been the law for the last sort of three to four years. It's been have drummed in over and over and over again. But for some reason, only a handful of referees choose to um, police it in the correct way. So that is one area. I'd, I'd much rather see the the lawmakers and the, the policemen and policewomen on the field get the, the, the simple things right. The forward passes, then knock-ons, you know, uh, easy to understand scrum penalties, clear release of the tackle play. Just get those things right. Don't worry about all these obscure rules which you got to try, you know, once in every 40 tests, i.e., you know, scoring a ball, uh, scoring a try against the, the padding of the goalpost. So, look, this, this is just, to me, it's just nonsensical. They're trying to overcomplicate the situation, overengineer it, simplify it, get rid of all these nonsensical trial rules, go back to what the fans know. And if you ask all the players, do you know, do you know all these experimental rules? Chances are less than 10% will knock their head and actually get it right. There you go. Um, yeah, so speeding up the,
0: the ball is, is, is what we're talking about. all that's what's Defence is all about slowing down the ball, um, and attack is all about speeding up the ball. So, um, but so, so yeah, so we'll make it a more attacking game. Um, we've just got one question from the live chat that we'll take, and then we'll wrap things up, which is, uh, scientists, do you think Super Rugby should stay away from North America for the North America's sake? Let Major League Rugby be the competition to grow in the rugby in North America. Um, well, my response to that is uh, Super Rugby should stay away from North America for its own sake we've already seen that super, well, super rugby doesn't work if you try and cover it against too many disparate time zones and uh, playing games in the middle of the night doesn't work so going over to the usa and having a team in the usa wouldn't work um the only place that might be might be feasible um is um is hawaii but anything further um east than that would um would just be a joke so, so yes let, let major league rugby own the states it should do um and uh, the um and, and super rugby should just keep away
2: simon simple answer to the question is yes stay right away the to i to don't that answer to add on what paul said the the best place to take super rugby is to southeast asia they will bend over backwards for uh super rugby the the crowds will be huge there is tremendous, tremendous interest in the All Blacks and Super Rugby. They're absolutely starved of it. And and I'm, I'm talking about places like Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Sri Lanka, uh, certain parts, certain parts in China. Th- those are the markets they need to explore. Not, I'm not saying take every game there, create a roadmap where periodically they do get fixtures. I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you, you will have 50,000 plus at a drop of a hat and there will be so much, uh, you know, there will be so much merchandise and just the, the ability to spread the game. And this is one area for whatever reason, Super Rugby have just gone like, yeah, now we don't want to know about it. So that's that's my answer.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll disagree with you on, on Singapore, having lived there uh, and having been to the Singapore sevens, uh, they did not get great crowds uh, and uh, the interest would be purely expatriate. It would not be the locals. Uh, no, no interest in rugby at all. But Hong Kong, yes, Malaysia. Uh, and KLS, yes, those those places could could be grown fifty thousand. well we'll see but um they definitely definitely are, are places for growth in in those locations um thank you very much Boa for joining me this evening for the Driving Wolf show folks um tomorrow evening at 8 p.m we'll have the uh the standoff show our NRL um show which obviously as they're in finals period time uh and uh, I'll be back tomorrow at 5 p.m also with the uh lockdown beers and uh rugby chat going through the uh, rugby news from the previous 24 hours and boy oh boy it's amazing how there's half an hour's worth of chat every single day of rugby news uh, but there we go um thank you bro. thank you everyone else
2: stay safe stay well